0: Hello, and thank you for joining us. I am your host, soulful business and leadership coach, Jeffrey Biesecker. We are all on the journey to discover the light inside, that beacon which guides us to live our truest, most authentic self. Thank you for joining us for episode number 60. Fear imprisons our minds and blinds us to hope and possibility. Today our mission is to guide you in crossing the bridge from fear into freedom. We are told fear is one of our greatest survival mechanisms, but was it ever really fear that allowed us to survive truly threatening situations? Or is it our ability to logic always coming to truly save the day? Personally, as a coach and a leader, the mind is a tool I feel a great many of us struggle to form a healthy relationship with. Join us as we share a conversation with Lucia Diavesti-Severson, Empowerment and Leadership Coach at Be Brave Psychotherapy. Lucia and I will discuss how fear manifests in both obvious and subtle ways. We explore how dance movement and drama therapy can help break habitual patterns of mind and body, empowering us to embrace what it means to live a brave life on a daily basis. Lucia tells us, how bravery leads us towards love and away from fear, and why this is a crucial piece to embodying authentic leadership. In the process, delivering a plan while facing the giants in our lives. Tune in to find out how you can leverage body movement to gain more confidence, on this episode of The Light Inside. If you're a podcast host or guest, as I know many in our listening community at The Light Inside are, I'd like to talk to you about an amazing way to connect for podcast interviews. As podcasters, we know how tough it can be connecting and forming meaningful guest and hosting relationships. The chore of discovering, connecting, and coordinating can be a lot of work, and that's even before we hit the record button. Podit.net is a podcasting booking platform connecting amazing value-added guests and hosts, allowing you to reach more of your target audience while significantly building your influence as a podcast program empowering you with a better system and process of building podcast interactions. is the rocket fuel you need to take your podcast business to another level. So if you are ready to connect and engage with fellow podcasters, creating meaningful relationships and interactions, which serve your listening community with high value conversations and interviews, visit pod.it.net today to begin increasing the impact of your podcast community. And while we're talking about rocket fuel, check out the new book by author, performance coach, dynamic speaker, and upcoming guest, Mike C-Rock Sirocco. C-Rock shows us how blasting past hardships can be a powerful gravitational force that often keeps you down, forcing you to think small. To get out of orbit, you need rocket fuel. Learn how to convert past adversity into rocket fuel, to break free from the negative pull of pain and despair. Visit the book club at thelightinside.com or www.mikecroc.com to discover how to start turning setbacks into rocket fuel. Hello, Lucia. How are you? Hi there. I'm doing
1: well. How are you doing?
0: Fantastic. Good, good.
1: I'm excited. So am I. Are you in Ohio? Yes. Okay. I'm. I'm from Northeast Ohio. Really? Yes. Wow. And what area? I'm from the um, Youngstown-Warren area. Are you familiar?
0: Okay. With that? Yeah. I. I had friends that grew up in that area.
1: Yes. Do you, do. you have children of your own?
0: Yes. We have three grown adult children.
1: Oh wow. Yeah. Can I. Can I say that you don't
0: look old enough to have three grown <laughs> children?
1: <laughs> really don't.
0: Well, thank you. I take that with the a great, great compliment. I just turned 50, yeah. Oh
1: my goodness, I would not have guessed it. Actually, I was thinking you were, honestly, this isn't just to pump you up. I thought you were in Fantastic. The
0: 30s. <laughs> I will take that compliment all day long. Thank you. <laughs> that- makes me feel really good. (laughs) 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 Well, I am interested in exploring this conversation with you today, looking at the role our psychological journey plays in unfolding our narratives throughout life from a perspective of interaction with ourselves and our interaction with others. I know particularly your work is aligned with helping that interaction with females, with ladies finding their story and their narrative so i'm interested in diving into that i'm going to try to approach this today with releasing any kind of cognitive dissonance or bias i might have as a male i'm fascinated because To me, I always kind of stop and ponder, but what is it like from another's perspective, not just from a a humanistic level, but also within the sexes? You know, we do tend to have those programmed differences in a lot of ways in how we interact and how we connect, how we communicate.
1: I feel that what I do with women, the work that I do with them is really comparable to working with anyone, regardless of gender. Honestly, like the messages that I'm sending to women, the work I'm doing is also totally for men as well. It's just that as a woman, (laughs) I just feel that I understand The journey of womanhood and all the transitions that come with that are different from the male journey. (laughs) And so I think that that is why I chose to really focus more on women and those particular transitions that we tend to go through in our lives.
0: The mind, I feel, is a great tool, so many of us can often struggle with to form that healthy relationship.
1: Yes. So our minds are wonderful, wonderful organs. We have been programmed to survive our brains are programmed <laughs> for survival. I actually am a uh, certified trauma counselor as well. And when you mm. look at that, we are yes. always looking out for danger in some way that we don't realize. And so that danger may be as little thing as someone judging us, someone not feeling good about us. We always kind of have our feelers out for these things. And many of us just aren't aware of that. And so we make up these narratives and these stories about ourselves and relationship to others that are really based a lot of times in our fears. And so we may really believe that we aren't good at something or we aren't good enough. And then our mind looks for all the ways in which that is true and all the ways that shows up in our lives. And so it's constant proof, right? Oh, there it is again. There it is again.
0: So much of that is inherent in our DNA patterning. But then also, from my perspective, so much of that we inherit through our generational patterning and then also a step further, sometimes as that generational trauma you spoke of.
1: Absolutely. I like to use the word choreographed. Like we are very much our bodies and our minds are are choreographed by our families. They're our first group. Group that we belong to. And we create a role for ourselves and they create a role for us as well, based on their experiences as well in their life and their roles that they've played out. So we naturally have this idea of, of who my child is, right? This is who I feel that you are. This is who I'd like you to be. This is what I want more of you to be. Often it's it's for the parents, right? It's, it's like, I need this from you. I need this. And we as children are little people and we need the big people to accept us and take care of us and love us. And so we naturally fall into those patterns and those perceptions that the adults in our lives yeah. have for yeah. us. And it's just generation after generation of that happening because- very few of us have the awareness that we're doing that and that we fell into kind of a trap. Not that our parents meant anything or to hurt us, but in some ways, maybe they were taking care of their own needs and we fell into the role of caretaker or black sheep is a big one as well. Right. And so we identify so strongly with those things that we narrow our path to what's possible for us because it's like, this is me. This is not me. Mm -hmm. I really like to help women to realize actually There's a whole world of expansion there for you. And you don't have to take away the role that you're in now. You can just keep adding on to it. Keep adding, keep adding, keep seeing what else is possible. Trying on new things, like almost like trying on new outfits, trying on new ways of being in your body. And when you try on new ways of being in your body, your mind responds to that with thoughts that line up with that physicality.
0: I feel so often there tends to be that disassociation with ourself that we have a relationship to how we experience things.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Uh, So we disassociate all day long. I'm sure you could probably think of examples Even from today, where you have disassociated. (laughs) Disassociation is
0: just not being present. It means not
1: being present. It means leaving the present moment and going into the future or the past. Thinking about what you need to get done. Thinking about a moment that happened that you don't feel good about or whatever it is. Whatever the cycle of thoughts, the habitual thoughts that are happening for you in this season in your life, we tend to disassociate. To. And so we are often not present in our lives. We're missing so many moments and we aren't aware of how we're showing up in the world. We have almost no awareness of the ways in which we are really missing out on connection connection with people connection with ourselves so you hear so many people and when, when they they are dying or when they um they have a tragic incident happens like i, I missed all those moments Why wasn't i wasn't there for that those are our biggest regrets not connecting it's our biggest regret and so and, and it's our, our biggest talent Two, connecting to others is a talent that human beings have and we are not engaging in that as much anymore.
0: Do you feel from your perspective or from that clinical perspective that so often being in the midst of our day-to-day lives, dealing with all of our many thoughts, going through our daily routines, that creates that kind of brain fog where we lack that mind space or we don't create self-care space to stop and consider things like how am i thinking about this how do i relate to this situation how am i feeling about my present experience
1: well, we move so quickly and we, we move in patterns. Our bodies are, um, like I said, we're choreographed in a certain way. Like If you think about characters from movies or television, right, they have a specific yes. body type. They have a specific way of moving. So if you were to take on that role, you would study those things. And, and we are all characters as well. We have specific ways of doing things. And so Yes, we, we are moving fast, we have things to do, we have things to get done, we think we know who we are and we we fall into the character and we just keep going, we just keep plowing through, right? Rarely are we taking the time to go, What am I doing right now? <laughs> what <laughs>
0: uh, (laughs) that could be sometimes unsettling and jarring if that's not a practice you've regularly developed and become attuned to if you suddenly have this silence in your mind can also open up this vast void of wow here come all these thoughts i never addressed here come all these feelings that i've never stepped up to and said hey what is this knocking at my door
1: Well, I I can tell you from personal experience, I have had to do that. Like, so I, as a, as a therapist, I I really am walking the walk with this, this time. And uh, I didn't do that previously uh, to a couple years ago when I I suffered an episode of intense anxiety. I actually, I, I do have OCD. I've had OCD all my life and I never admitted that to myself until it never interfered with my functioning until it did. And when that happened, I had to make so many changes. OCD is all about fear, right? fear of the unknown, fear of something terrible happening to me. And I had, I had used that fear and that anxiety to my benefit all my life, to get things done, to be perfect. Now, it was really sink or swim for me. I got to the point where I couldn't function. I was so terrified. The thoughts were so compounding. I didn't know what to do with them and they felt so real. It was really a very scary time in my life and I had to go seek out therapy myself. I couldn't fix myself. And it was very humbling and humiliating in its way, but absolutely the best thing that ever happened to me. I found a therapist that specializes in OCD. And the specialized therapy for OCD is exposure and response prevention. Are you familiar with that term at all? Yes. yes, Yeah. Basically, you are exposing yourself to your worst fears a little bit at a time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's that notion of facing our fears very literally, very literally putting it there in front of us. Laying it bare and being vulnerable to it.
1: Right. And through that process, I became so aware of my thoughts, my habitual thought patterns Mm -hmm. and how I was buying into so many things, not even just the things that I was obsessing about, but just so many things about myself that I had taken as back. Yeah and truth. So many ways where I held myself back from moving forward with things that I really wanted to do because maybe I got the a message from someone that I couldn't do that, you know, and, and that's all it would take for me It's like, oh, you don't think I can do that, so I don't as well. Like I respect your opinion more than mine. How dangerous that is right, yeah. to be living in that <laughs> yeah. way. And so I don't think many of us are very aware of and we wouldn't even label it as fear. We label our thoughts as fact and really so many of our thoughts are
0: based in fear that's that odd reality those things that become that stuff i like to say stuff we carry that make us human the word baggage to me kind of carries its own negative pattern and weight but this human stuff that makes us who we are
1: yes yes i mean we're so vulnerable Mm -hmm. and we're so afraid of it Mm -hmm. we don't want to take the time to feel our feels I have so many clients that, you know, when I tell them about exposure and response prevention, because I do utilize that quite a bit now with my clients, and they are always like, Why on earth would I want to do that?
0: Why would I want to sit in
1: terrible feelings? And what I realized is actually it is the only way out. It is the only way across the bridge of fear into freedom is to sit in that and allow yourself to feel that and not push it away anymore and not even judge it, not even blame yourself for it, right? It's like, this is where I'm at. This is what I feel. My feelings are not me. My thoughts are not me. And I have a choice here. I have a choice to align with values Instead, even though those thoughts are really scary and they're really uncomfortable, I can still choose, like some of mine are are courage, self-respect. And if I choose those values, I have direct behaviors that I can do every day that align with those values, even if I feel crappy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That I feel so often becomes one of those tasks or things in life that so often we aren't taught a relationship to values. We hear so much about values and equate that to just simply a moralistic view or a matter of opinion or choice. How often do we miss that opportunity to sit down and say, these are the things that create meaning for me. These are the things that have a purpose to me. Here are the things that create my importance. We're not taught to
1: do that. Maybe some of us are. I know I I was not. And not because my parents didn't love me. It's not something that is part of the regular curriculum of growing up and childhood. And it should be.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I just shared a great conversation in a group on Facebook about that. Yesterday, it's fresh in my mind because one of the questions being posed was, what are some of the things that you feel are missing from our educational system? That would be a basic core educational opportunity. Yes. To me, that yes. jumped up instantly in that conversation for me and several others. We do not teach in the school and oftentimes in the home. That taking the time to connect with yourself, taking the time to say, sometimes I have to sit down and regularly look at those things. What is important to me? What has meaning to me? What creates value in my
1: life? Yes, because we get seduced by our stories and our narratives that are going on in our mind. And I can't say that enough is that if we plug in and if we really become aware of the thoughts that we're having, if we even were to write those down and look at what that monologue is, it can be kind of jolting. (laughs) To put those down and go, oh my goodness, this is what I'm saying to myself about myself all day long. Well, no wonder. And do I want to live my life based in this story? Can I change the story? How do I change it? And you're right. It's values. It's by looking at your values.
0: In our conversation planning for this today, we discussed those giants we face, that monster under the bed, those scary things. And so often we relate it in that way. We relate it that way to our children. We relate it that way to each other. Yes. How do we start to break some of that fiber and say, there are things that make us feel challenged in their awareness. There are things that stir emotion in us. There are things that tug at our heart, that tug at our ability to logic. How do we start to recognize some of those things when we take that moment to pause and connect?
1: I really think it's important to include your body in that process. Mm. I think many of us just live in our our heads and we forget that we have this wonderful body attached to us that has all kinds of sensations and all kinds of information for us and that feelings and emotions come through the body first. They are somatic experiences and so we need to be able to become aware of how certain thoughts are landing in our bodies, like even certain words, or words. Hmm. The word failure has so many emotions attached to it, feelings. Like if you were to just take a a few seconds and have that word land in your body, failure,
0: failure. That's a big one for me. That's a big one to look at for me. It's one I feel over the years I've created for me a more healthy view of. That perception is up to each of us to ultimately create the relationship with the value and meaning in it. So often, from my perspective, I see those meanings reinforced. I see those messages reinforced in the notions of, in order to succeed, you have to fail. I say, wait a minute, let's back up and look at this, because in my reality, first of all, is this experience a failure? Did something actually break down? Did something actually not meet my intention? I feel so often we just naturally fall into those patterns because that is what we've heard. That is what we've been told. That's what we witness so often.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think that we we're all stuck in other people's perceptions, mm. you know, yeah. like all of us are prisoners of that. And when you hear the word failure, it's very much based on what society's idea, or maybe your family's idea, or whomever you take a lot of personal stock in their opinions. And that is, it's their version of that failure. Yes. right. And that word lands so strongly in my body, it, it lands in my chest. I think it's it's harder for me to breathe. I notice my breathing cuts off a bit. And I feel more contracted. Like I can feel my shoulders sort of I it's sort of like a shame pose, right? Failure. Because I have a specific relationship to that word and we all do. And just that alone, doing little experiments like that, right? Of like, oh my goodness, what happens to me? What happens to my body when I hear that word? When I repeat it to myself? What am I feeling? What's the sensation there? What do I I feel like doing now, because right now, as I say that word to myself, I just feel like crumpling up and staying small and being small. (laughs) And if I were to go out and take Mm. an action right now, I probably would would do something that doesn't feel very healthy to me because I'm aligning with that feeling in my body. We align with the feelings in our bodies and we begin to make choices based on Mm. those feelings. And it's just this constant cycle that happens to us. And so this is a way to start to break through some of those, those giants, right. And start to really question, what is this feeling about? Is this really mine? And why do I believe I'm a failure? Why do I think that's true? And what's the evidence against that? And how could I even re-choreograph my body, right? In that like failure, like what about, what if I like stood tall and said failure right now to myself? It doesn't match up for me actually in this aligned body stance that I'm in right now. Like I'm not hunched. I I am very aligned. I I just, it doesn't penetrate as much. So that's just a, a small example of the body awareness needed to start to stand up to some of these these giants because they land in your body. That fear lands for everyone in their body.
0: As you mentioned, I think so often we disassociate with those other experiences, those other senses. I love that you mention experimenting for so many, that idea can be a bit questionable to them, create that unease and that anxiety. Wait, how often are we programmed, patterned, or habituated to seek that certainty in life, to seek understanding and knowing that mm-hmm. I feel confident in this? Yes, I would love to sit to that. that notion of experimenting in and of itself, if you throw it out there, I'm sure there are plenty, plenty plenty there again i'm trying to move into a different pattern of saying everybody plenty of people who will relate and say that thought alone strikes utter shock fear and terror in me wait a minute you want to take my certainty away yes
1: Yes. And this is where I think a lot of people get stuck, right? It's like, nope, I don't want to feel that. No, I'm going to move on from that. I'm going to keep going and I'm going to keep doing what has always worked for me, even though it may not serve you anymore. I'm just going to keep going with what I was doing because that's too uncomfortable. And that's why I call my practice Be Brave Psychotherapy and Empowerment Coaching because that's what real life bravery is is to be able to clue into what your habitual thought patterns are your core beliefs about yourself and to really sit with those and sit with your feelings to keep living and keep making different choices anyway, even though the fear in you is, is telling you to stop. You're going to fail. You're going to look ridiculous. People are going to laugh at you. They're going to think terrible things of you, right? And you say, okay, I hear you and I feel that and I'm terrified and I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep going, even though I'm going to fall. I'm going to fall forward because you are going to fall.
0: Mm-hmm. so often we can hear those things we can play that back ourselves and say but wait a minute i had this past experience that did literally hurt or deeply affect me deeply emotionally upset me challenged me created a reaction we are patterned to have that protective response we're patterned as a child don't touch that hot burner oh we touched a hot burner now i've been burnt and hurt how do we align those from your experience with your insight to come to a different understanding of because of the past, I don't have to carry that into my present.
1: Right. Yeah. I think we have such harsh judgments of things that have happened in the past. And we have this this story that if it's happened once, then it will keep happening and it will happen again. I can't face that kind of... I can't face that kind of pain or disappointment. I, I'm not able to, to face that. Again, it's that fear and that block of like, there's no way I I could tolerate or or live Mm. through Mm. that. When it comes down to it, the thoughts, our our minds know us better than anybody else, and they know what our own personal nightmares are. They know our own personal horror stories, and they talk to us about that. And like, if you take that step forward, that could happen again. You could get hurt. And for most of us, that's enough. That's (laughs) enough for us to back off. Yes. Because we don't ever want to live through something like that again. And so I think that it is really about practicing risk-taking as well. What are the risks that are worth me taking and do they align with my values in my life? I'm not saying to take
0: risks on your life or anything like that. Yeah. You, do we form there again? You know, I'm going to back that up a half a step. Those reactions often are like that bad relationship with that human stuff. That friend in air quotes that doesn't necessarily honor and respect you. How do we realign that stuff to create a different reality? How do we realign that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that you really have to be able to really know more possibility and believe in more possibility for yourself, that your worldview of yourself is just so very narrow and really expanding. Like what I do is I I help clients to expand their characters, right? To really try on new roles, to really play, bring their child back out. We don't do that enough. Our children, they don't think in that limiting way about themselves, right? They are programmed to accept all possibility and they do. And so I really work on bringing that playful child back out. You know, one that really does believe in all these different possibilities and just wants to play. There's no having to be anything. It's just playing right? Laying and just trying it on to see how it feels. What feels good to you? What doesn't? And realizing, wow, I, I can. Actually, there's nothing that says I, I can't be that kind of person. It's really recognizing, oh, it really is just, it is just a story in my mind. It really is. And I get to rewrite and create that story. I get to be the, the daring diva if I want to be.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like that idea of, trying it on. There again, that that can be kind of that uncomfortable thing. You literally step into, step into like a pair of shoes. Let's try these shoes on and walk around in it. See how it feels, experience it. What is the new reality? I've had a pair of shoes that I loved for years. These shoes are now worn out. They don't serve me. They have holes. I walk around. I get wet feet. It's cold. All of these non-fitting, non-pleasant experiences. Do we keep wearing the pair of shoes? What do we do as human beings? Nine times out of ten, whatever the, the percentage, the larger portion of the time, we say, these shoes suck yeah (laughs) they're not serving me
1: well we do we say they suck and then we keep wearing them yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) so often so often
1: right this sucks. I suck. You know, like that's, (laughs) I'm not good enough. I don't like myself, (laughs) right? Like all of these, these things that, that we say to ourselves, I'm not good at this. All those Mm. things. It's like, like you said, it's, that's a great analogy. It's like, Oh, I don't like it, but I'm just going to keep putting it on. I'm just going to keep putting that on. Right. And it's the same thing. It's like, you're just going to keep putting on that costume, that costume that doesn't serve you anymore. And you know, That's the thing that I really try to instill in my clients is like, this is just about trying something on and figuring out who else am I, who else am I, besides these worn out shoes, besides this old ragged dress, right, you know.
0: I love looking at that. We're talking about love right? today. We're going to love ourselves. I love looking at that idea of put the shoes on and I can't dance. You know, the soles are flopping around and tripping all over the place and the shoestrings are busted and falling out the side and I can't dance. I can't dance in these shoes. I can't find that joy and movement. I like looking at this idea of transitioning that toward your body movement therapy. Share with us a little bit about that because I feel that Play such a relevant part in understanding how to develop some of this connection and relationship.
1: Yeah. So, like I said, we all have uh, preferences for movement, and I really help my clients to. I use a uh, a movement analysis that was created by Rudolf Laban. He was a choreographer in the 1920s. He was a uh, a major major development in the movement of modern dance away from ballet, and he began to note take on all the ways that uh, dancers can. Move and all the possibilities for movement, and so he created this amazing program of analysis. And actually, you can become certified in will bond movement analysis. Um, but it looks at all these different qualities we have for moving. Um, it looks at our kinospheres. Our kinospheres are this, this space that we have all around us to move vertically, sagittally, and horizontally, as well as diagonally. And, and the levels that we have as well, we can be um, high, middle, or low. And when we... Look at that! We generally take up not very much space. Uh, we don't really take up much space in our kinospheres, and so there's all this possibility for movement in these these bubbles that we have with ourselves. I first have them acknowledge really how much space they take up in that. And if they were to try to become bigger or move in those ways, diagonally, really taking up a large space in the room, what's the psychology of that like for you? What's it like to do that? What's it like to be really small? What's it like to like, there's so many creative possibilities in just working with the kinesphere, right? Of like, if you take on a pose in the kinesphere, that's in a diagonal shape, you know, what kind of character do you feel like? when you're doing that, you know, all kinds of uh, images and possibilities can come to you. I also look at effort qualities of movement, which you're looking at the way that you take up space. Do you take up space directly? Do you walk exactly towards your target goal? Are you sort of indirect about the way that you get to your target goal? Do you maybe meander a little more or look around a little more before you get there? And, and what's it like to move directly versus indirectly? I, I look at time as well. Are you quick? Are you quick in your movements? Are you more sustained? And I really have them like look in all the ways that what's your preference and what's it like to do what isn't your preference more? What's it like to experiment with that more? And so they start to realize, oh, there are all these other possibilities for movement that I have that I haven't even acknowledged before. And who am I when I move slower? Mm. Who can I be when I move slower? What kind of character can this be?
0: I think so often we don't take any time to think about how we're being present, how we're being present in the world, how we're being present with our There are times, I think, on the opposite of that where we're very cognitive and aware of it because we do have that reactionary protective movement, you know, recoiling, that feeling of shrinking, that notion of I'm pulling away or I'm moving with inside myself.
1: Yes, that's where moving moving towards fear can really help with this is when you become aware of that pattern of recoiling of protection, because we all have that. You can just transform your body and actually get, you know, I, I talk with clients about just being able to stay on their ground. It's like, yes, you are scared and you do feel that you're wanting to recoil. Right. But see what happens when you don't see what happens when you just inhibit that pattern and you do stay in alignment. Right. And so many things do happen for them, whether it is just standing there in their ground and feeling like I don't have to back off from this. Actually, I, I'm safe and I can stand here or that, you know what, even though I'm afraid, uh, I can take a step forward. I just have them take those steps forward, right? Just as an initiation, as a ritual, I'm stepping into it anyway.
0: No, I feel at this point, it's responsible and important for us to address that there are circumstances in life, physical abuse, any number of things where you are physically in harm and the potential threat. That is very real, very present. How do we bridge that gap right here? How do we say, but sometimes we have to segue from that point of reference in our experience.
1: Right. Well, it's really, you know, looking for yourself. Am I in danger right now? I was in danger in the past. Perhaps I, I, I really was. I, I have a big T trauma. I suffered physical, sexual abuse, all of this, those terrible things, right? But right now in my present moment, in this time, is this really a threat to me? Is it a threat to me physically or is it a threat to me emotionally? And you may say to yourself, well, this is a threat to me emotionally, you know, because more often than not, it is. But what is the advantage of taking the risk of moving into that fear anyway? Or will it really destroy you if you move into it? Will it destroy you to know that this person doesn't like you? What is the threat really? Is it a threat on your life? So I I think it's just really tapping into that perception of things that this will not kill you. It will hurt and it will make you uncomfortable.
0: There again, you and I both, I think, would agree on this. At this point, it's important to say that if you are in a actual physically threatening situation, you are actually in a psychological pattern with someone or in your relationship. Right. What are the best ways to reach out? Do reach out. We're not saying at this point this automatically negates any of that.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if you are in real physical danger, you should absolutely not feel that you need to, <laughs> you know, stand up to that and, and take the risk of being armed. Absolutely not. In fact, the brave thing to do is to be able to seek help and to realize and to be able to admit that, you know what, this situation is really dangerous for me. I can't do this alone. I need someone to help me. And that in its own way is standing up yes. to a giant yes. to be able to ask for
0: help. That notion to me you of know? vulnerability is often one of the hardest steps or can be can be one of the hardest steps for an individual to take. What insight can you give us to help an individual move into that present?
1: I think vulnerability is so captivating, actually. I think that when any of us really watch someone admitting to fear or to sadness or just being uncomfortable, when someone really stands there and admits to that, it, it is so captivating to me. And it makes me also want to be braver as well. I think that when we tap into our own vulnerability and we show it to others, it creates this collective of people that you just naturally start to like cheer this person, right? Cheer them on and learn from their example. Of, yes, I can do that too. I honor you for doing that. And, and I want to do that too. I want to be that brave. So for me, I really like to help my clients realize that there's so much power in their vulnerability, so much power to bring people together, honestly, and to serve in that way. You are serving by your message of vulnerability to bring people together in unity.
0: Leaning into that compassion and support can be such a crucial step, but such a difficult step so often. That extension of faith and trust. What advice can you offer? What insight can you offer in how we can open more to that faith and trust?
1: I think we need to find our tribes. We need to actively look for people who are going to love and support us and accept us for who we are and allow us to express ourselves. I think that we need to find that group that we can do that with and create with. Honestly, I'm big about um, helping women to create creative groups together where they can come together and be vulnerable together and really be in that space together and offer that power and support for each other. I know that when I first became really ill and sick and and couldn't function very well, I knew that I couldn't tell anyone Mm -hmm. because I knew it wasn't safe to. Because I don't think that our world has much compassion for when people are in pain
0: it can be such a desolate and lonely place so often yeah
1: yeah, it was it was so lonely it was so desolate and uh, i I knew to keep it to myself because it, it just was not safe um, and slowly over time I found the people that were really my cheerleaders and that would really support me and see who I am and listen through that but I became braver and braver and you know and I started my own business because of that like I, I it's so important to have that that try that's gonna allow you to expand like as you're expanding they're going to be like, yes, do it, do it. Yes. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I compare it to like, right. Like this is kind of funny, but when I I was having my children, right. Like you have all these (laughs) nurses around you going do it. You can do it. Yes. Yes. Right. And like, we just need that generally in life. Like we need those people to be there and you have to really look at, at what you're who your tribe is right now. And are they doing that for you? And, and if not to really seek out those people that will allow you to be vulnerable and, and tell you, just tell you how beautiful you are in your vulnerability.
0: So often we hear those negative voices from the outside that say, suck it up, put on your big girl or boy pants. Deal with it, you know, all of these kind of defraying things that tear at the fabric of our confidence, tear at the fabric of our certainty of ourselves. If we've grown up in that model, how do we step out of that to? Open that door.
1: Yeah, that's because I think that we don't have a lot of respect for each other. I think that we've been taught not to not to really value one another all that much, at least lately in our society. I feel like there's a lot of disrespect that we have for one another and that this just creates this culmination of pick up your panties and, and move on. Right. Like that. I don't have time for this. What you have to say is not important. You need to be this tough, you know, aggressive person and we just, we're very tough on each other we have little compassion for one another and I think that that's something that we all need to take more responsibility for is that we are feeding each other crumbs from the table when it comes to uh, relationships and just in general being in society I don't know just being in a store right shopping you know like everyone's just feeding each other their crumbs right instead of like offering whole meals and to to feed people well like there's so little room for kindness
0: I feel this is per Perspective. This is biased totally by this is my view of the world. I feel as a society, we've mitigated who we are. To the point where we, by and large, operate from a me against the world mentality. A me against the world mentality. That egoic centering, everything springs forth for me so often, becomes our point of reference. Rather than realizing that we are of one body, we are of one community. That's my big Woodstock push, joy to the world today. (laughs) But when we lose that joy for the world around us we lose that connection with ourselves. We lose that connection to all of the beauty that we can experience.
1: Absolutely. We have to be connected to ourselves first. We have to have compassion for ourselves. And through that, I think through my own experience of, I had very little compassion for myself and really going through a time like that when you're really suffering and you, you feel like you're at the rock bottom, lowest point in your life, it does feel like, I know, I finally know what it's like to suffer, right? And because of that, because of that, like that experience for me just caused this swirl of connection, wanting this connection to other people in that really valuing how much I just grow from that. My relationships became so much deeper because it was like being in that pain, there was something about it that was just, it was like, I can't be alone and I'm not made to be alone. I shouldn't be alone here. And oh my goodness, I'm stuck in myself right now. And there are all these wonderful people around me (laughs) that uh, I don't know. And like, and that my curiosity about, I just started to get more curious about them and just wanted to know more about people. Right. And that felt so good. It felt so good to not be stuck in my own suffering anymore. And I I think that's where a lot of us get stuck is that suffering. We just we stay stuck in that and we vacillate between anger and hopelessness. And we don't move out of because beyond that is like this connection Mm
0: -hmm. you can have
1: with people that's amazing.
0: I feel that oftentimes can become such a double dual meaning reality we face, exercise this self-love, but don't be stuck in the ego, the, the self, that me against the world mentality. From a psychological and humanistic standpoint, how do we balance that? You know, What are our tools and our awarenesses that we can shift that experience to balance that out, to have that harmony with ourselves and others?
1: I'm a big proponent of taking responsibility for our actions. So in really raising our, raising our standards mm. for ourselves, uh, I, that is a, a huge part of my program and often something that is a big surprise to the clients that I work with. Like, what do you mean my standards are low? Yes, they are really low for how other people are, are treating you. And interacting with you i think we like i said we've gotten so used to not expecting much and there's so much more right that, that you deserve in your life there's so much more that we can give to others this idea of generosity the value of generosity I, I really talk about in terms of being a leader that that is a something that you you need to have and cultivate more and how can you be more generous not in just like giving people things but just generous in your interactions with people whether that's somebody at the, the grocery store or you know your your partner
0: two things come to mind for me and two new concepts that over the last Last year, I've really connected with Locust of Control, which at its core is that ability to say, this is how my interaction affects myself and others. And the quiet ego, that notion of this is how I'm experiencing it, but I am also open and aware to how you are experiencing it, how others experience it, how my experience reflects toward another To me, those are powerful tools. Two totally different shows we could go down and Mm -hmm. look at on their own. I hope to in the future.
1: Yeah. Yes. I mean... I, I love what you just said. I, yeah. I really am. Uh, I, I'm actually trying to create a, a theater company right now for women that can do just that where you know, women come in and tell their stories and we get to hear these really intimate moments and just to be able to see people in a way that you don't normally see them. Like people really standing there being vulnerable with an audience and really like being able to understand someone else's perspective. Like, even though like that may not be be my experience of life at all, but wow, like I hear you talk about it and there's something in me that just still really connects with you and connects with the bravery in you for telling me that. So that's, uh, that's really something that I think is important for all of us to be able to do for each other. And I want that theater company to be an example of that, of people being able to come and listen to someone else's perspective and allow themselves to be body aware in that, of how that's affecting their own body, to listen to those stories and noticing the connection that they might feel and noticing the resistance they also feel. If you're resisting that, what does that mean for you too? Is that a fear that's coming up for you?
0: This might be a little bit of a confounding idea. But so often I feel we're so busy looking for ourselves in others that we fail to see ourselves in others. We're setting an expectation of what we expect to see rather than opening up to see the things that we do share in common, the things we do connect with, the things that are just simply, I respect you because you are a human being like me. That simple sometimes can be the only defining difference we need. You are a human being like me being human like me.
1: Yes. I mean, and I, I think that that's something that needs to come more into, um, it needs to become more a part of our reality. And like you said, with you know, the curriculum for children, I think this needs to become a, um, a program maybe that all of us <laughs> start to engage in and, and how, to, um, how to actually connect with one another, how to empathize, how to really take someone else's words and emotion and vulnerability into our own bodies, because we have the capacity to do that. We have these things called mirror neurons, actually. I don't know if you're familiar with that.
0: I I would have a vague reference yeah. with it. And it, that's another area where I get so fascinated by looking at all of these various aspects and levels of psychology. I could just literally spend days upon days if I submit to that whim and unravel so many things. Yeah. I took a yeah. path on that.
1: <laughs> no, no, it's true. I, I feel the same way. I mean, there's so many things that I mm-hmm. want to learn as well. Like, I just feel like uh, I, I get so excited by it too. But with mirror neurons, we actually have the ability to watch someone. Like when we're watching a movie, oftentimes that's why we get so engrossed, right? Is that we actually can feel that character's physical movements. Like we have a reaction to that in our own bodies. And so if we were to really sit and listen to someone and listen to their story, we are actually having kind of not the same experience, but we're having an experience like, like that ourselves and that's a built-in quality we have to empathize with people i mean it's a it's a superpower wow. it's a superpower we have for connection to each other
0: i look at that in a number of ways to me it's sitting with me in this way hey it's like that scary movie we're watching and we're watching you know the group of people move along and you know something imminently is about to go wrong and you get that kind of tension. You withdraw within people. And then, boo, you know, suddenly that scary moment happens and you're literally in another world but jumping out of your skin. I see where that connects there now. I see that meaning behind it. I also look at that from that pack mentality. You know, you watch a herd of antelope or whatever the prey is they are out on the Serengeti moving across the plains. And all of a sudden, everybody starts running. Everybody starts bolting. Why are we reacting this way? We don't know, but something's going on. We got to move. Something's going on. We see movement. We feel that tension. We don't know what the hell it is, but we got to move.
1: Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. It's that that pack mentality as all well that, that comes with that and our need for belonging as well. So mm. that when we are in a pack, we know to take on the characteristics of those other people in that group with us. We have this intense need and desire for that. And, and so, yes, we don't know why we're doing it oftentimes, but it's really mm. about that, that basic
0: need to be accepted. Six million years of evolution. <laughs> How far have we changed? What patterns are we carrying in our human stuff yeah. that we've just said have six thousand yeah. years? I'm putting this pair of shoes on again and we're running with it. Where do we fall back again? <laughs> yes. Speaking to that notion of education yeah. to say, let's stop and learn something now. Let's stop, and it takes a village to raise a village. But we get so stuck in deciding whose responsibility it is in the damn village to just say, but there's a child here. Yeah. The child is unclothed. This child needs nourishment. This child needs raising and support. We're too yeah. busy being stuck on whose damn responsibility it is to just take care of the kid. You wouldn't leave the kid laying there nine times out of ten, hopefully. Hopefully, there's some locus of control Some point who says, let's just take care of the thing. The thing that sounds very, I just totally dehumanize and demoralize this poor child. So often that's what happens. So often it's a thing. It's just, there's no humanness to it. So they're that Freudian Freudian (laughs) slip. Let's speak of a Freudian slip (laughs) that maybe I'm just mirroring what society's thrown upon us.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think you are bringing up the, you know, the the idea of Mm. how we're being choreographed, right? Like, we are all, like, I don't want to say we're puppets, but we... Let's (laughs)
0: let's dance another dance. dance. tired of doing the same old waltz. Yes. tired of doing the same old waltz. Let's dance another dance. I think that's a great point to end our conversation on today to a large extent. How can we dance another dance? Where can our audience reach out to you, Lucia, to learn more about your dance movement program, your program in general to connect and figure out some of this stuff?
1: Sure. Yes, my website is a great place to start and that's Be Brave Women. Dot com and on that website is, is my phone number and information about how you can make an appointment. I do offer free thirty minute consultations to anyone that's that's interested, so that I can understand what your needs are. My program is really based on helping women move into leadership as well, and so in moving into purpose for women out there that are really seeking more more fulfillment or feeling lost. I I really Want to help women out there that that realize that I'm stuck in a pattern that is not working for me. I'm curious about what else is possible.
0: Those are magic words. What else is possible?
1: How else can I expand? Because because you can. And Mm. don't let fear take away from all of those possibilities, to to be able to have that experience, you know, of just going on that journey and facing fear is something that few people will do. And, you know, to know that you can be one of those people who are really brave and can serve other people in your own unique way, because that's really what it's all about in the end is being able to get through that fear so that you can go out and serve your mission. I really believe that.
0: Yes. Yes. It is the whole the sum of the parts, or is the whole just sum of the parts? Mm. I just, What story yeah. are we creating for ourselves?
1: Right, and you know, does it have to be true? Mm. Right. So many things are. But so many things, mm. so many things can be
0: challenged. What a great thought to leave on today.
1: Yes. Thank
0: you so be much. Be brave. Lean into the challenge. Yes. Well, I thank you for sharing this. This has been such a fun kind of explore it, throw it on the table and, and run with it kind of conversation today. And I'm leaving with so many things to go myself and dig a little deeper and challenge myself. So thank you for sharing that with us today.
1: You're welcome. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Yes,
0: likewise. It has been such a pleasant and insightful experience for me. So thank you so much. Let's do it again soon. Let's do it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. When it comes time in our lives to sink or swim, many of us allow the crippling grasp of fear to disempower our ability to fully embrace our potential. We often mirror the vision of others or allow the projected expectations of an outside world to form this view. In all of your humanness, what baggage are you packing for the trip? Are you subconsciously disempowering yourself and others with your thoughts, words and actions? What thoughts, feelings, and emotions are you allowing to shape your experience? Spend some quiet time each day to get closer to your inner self. And remember this, no one knows your truth but you. If you're secure in yourself, you may occasionally be pulled from your center, but the light inside of you will guide you back. You can be the empowered author of your life when you choose to integrate and engage with your authentic self. Embracing the simple reality of what brings you significant meaning, purpose, and value throughout every aspect of your entire life. The only limitations are the limits we create. You don't need superpowers to be or do anything you desire in life. In fact, you don't even have to do anything out of the ordinary. Just be you. We're all on that journey to find the light inside. But you know what? There is no journey. The light is inside of you all alone. Lucia and I have talked a lot today about releasing the fear of letting your light inside shine. Now we want to know what you, our valued listeners, found meaningful in today's show. Leave us a message at www.thelightinside.us or tag us on social media at The Light Inside Podcast, sharing what inspired you the most in this episode. We are grateful to be able to continue helping you, our valued listening community, discover your light inside. Remember to continue to support the growth of our program by sharing feedback or leaving us a review on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere you find your favorite show. Sharing with others why you enjoy our program here at The Light Inside. Join us next episode as we share a discussion exploring how to develop emotional intelligence, building self-confidence to create change, with best-selling author, motivational speaker, and leadership coach Mike Acker. Find out how to embrace change while integrating with your true self on The Light Inside.